Welcome to another ePublish Yourself podcast. In this segment, I talk with Scott McCormick, author of a best-selling audiobook series, Rivals, Frenemies Who Changed the World. Scott talks about his dream of making a living as a creative writer and his path to success by way of an Audible original series. I've been listening to uh, both books to kind of refresh myself today and uh, looking at some of the background info um, up on, uh, is it Penguin Random House? Yeah, yeah, the Mr. Pants books. Yeah, it's quite a progression going from that initial book to, you know, getting a bestseller on Audible and getting a series. It's actually pretty exciting. Uh, You want to do the capsule description of how you got from uh, point A to becoming famous in the world of uh, audio recording? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, sure. Um, So I wrote back in like 2012, I guess it was, I wrote... um, uh, a story about my cat slash my kids um, called Mr. Pants. And um, I hooked up with a friend of mine, um, R.H. Lazelle, and asked him if he wanted to illustrate the books. And he said yes. And uh, so we, we finished the story um, and we shopped it around a little bit and eventually got an agent and he got us a publishing deal with Penguin Random House. Um, my editor there um, l- later on moved over to Audible. And so she called me, this is you know three years ago now, uh, saying, hey, I want to do some uh, nonfiction, funny stuff for middle grade kids. Are you interested? I said, yes. And so uh, the two of us kind of hashed out this idea of doing a series on Rivals. So yeah, that's the the boring story, but, uh, <laughs> but that's how it came about. Yeah. But did you you picture it as having multiple narrators and, and yeah, all the wry comments inserted along the way, which really does liven it up. I mean, oh, I thanks. found myself laughing out loud at places when I oh, was uh, listening. So yeah, it, I knew it, that it was only going to be an audio book and not a, a physical book. So I figured, well, let's make it. Let's take full advantage of the medium. And so, yeah, I wanted to have sound effects and multiple uh, narrators and, you know, just make it goofy and fun. So that was the idea. Yeah. I, I saw on Goodreads, you, you were commenting to somebody who was asking about it. You said you really didn't have any uh, um, oversight in the actual production process on the first one, at least. Uh, did you have more control over the second one or not? I actually had less control over the second one. Uh, the first one... I got to choose the narrator. Uh, they sent me clips of three different people reading, uh, you know, a paragraph. And uh, so I chose uh, the, the apprentice on Yemi who, who narrates the first book. And then um, one of the other people, um, she did like this death sound, like the, Ugh, whenever someone died and the way she did it just cracked me up. And so I asked <laughs> that we have her do that sound for the, <laughs> A deaf sound can make a book. That's That's true. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so for the second, that was my my contribution for the first one. And the second one, I didn't even know when they were recording it until the day they were recording it. And she was like, hey, I'm going to send you some photos of the recording session. Um, So, you know, that honestly, it's probably better that I'm not involved because I would have lots of opinions and none of them would really be helpful. So I think that the way that they they do it is... (laughs) Probably perfect. 
I notice you're without an agent at the moment. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like you've got enough leverage now with, with some successes where you don't really need an agent or would you rather have an agent and somebody out there doing promotion, you know, kind of guiding your course and helping decide what topics or where to go next? Yeah. So I had an agent and when I, um, if you have a, a really good agent, someone who knows the industry and um, understands you and how you write and what your strengths are and, and knows who to call, you know, like when you present them with a book, they say, oh, I know exactly who's going to like this. Uh, you know, my agent sold the Mr. Pants book in two seconds. It was the very first person that he called, became uh, the editor for the book. Like they, he sold it right away. Wow. So if you have an agent and they know what they're doing, it can really do wonders for you. And so I think having a professional in your corner is good. And if somebody you know, came to me and wanted to be my agent, that would be great. Um, but um, at the same time, I think if you have anyone in your corner in the industry, um, you're good to go. So in my case, I don't have an agent, but I do have uh, this editor at Audible. And so um, you know, I, I have a nice working relationship with, with her and, uh, I think the team at Audible is great. And so, you know, it's, it's been working out for me in terms of Audible anyway. Um, but like I said, yeah, if, if, uh, I mean, I did try to get an agent, uh, fairly recently, but I had no success. Oh, really? So, That's yeah. interesting. Huh. Yeah. It's weird. You know, before I ever published a book, I figured, oh, once you publish a book, you're in and you know, that's you know, you know, the secret handshake and everything is good, but yeah, that's not really the case. So. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think it was in uh you had a series you, you produced for um, disc makers, uh, the book baby mm-hmm. sector talking about, Oh, the whole process of getting your book published, uh, self-published. Right. And I think you mentioned in there that, uh, you know, whether you're represented by somebody or not, you know, the publisher is probably not going to help you that much with promotion. You know, you're going to wind up being your own promotion, of course, if you're an independent. Um, I mean, there was kind of a sense that uh, you better be ready to kind of market yourself, regardless of, uh, you know, who's representing you or who's publishing you. You still feel that way? uh, Well, uh, yes and no. Um, So, Audible. So when we published the first Rivals book, it was about a year and a half ago. And it just kind of fell through the cracks um, and didn't really get any promotion whatsoever. And it just kind of sat there on Audible for about a year and nobody bought it. And, you know, I did what little that I can do, but selling audiobooks is kind of weird as opposed to physical books where you can send copies to people and have them, you know. Uh, Yeah you're really limited in how you can uh, promote an audiobook, And so it just kind of sat there and nobody really bought it or paid much attention to it. And then when they started to get ready to do the second one, they decided to relaunch it and actually put some marketing muscle behind it. So they gave it a new um, cover and they promoted it on their website, making it free for the month of July. And um, all of a sudden it became bestseller and, you know, and, and, here we are. So, uh, you know, a little bit of marketing can go a really long way. Um, but you know, I know that there's probably not a single author in the world except for maybe JK Rowling who 
thinks that their publisher is doing enough <laughs> to publish their book. And you have an upcoming book that you're working on about pirates? Yeah, so it's the same kind of uh, storytelling as Rivals. It's just not about Rivals. It's about pirates. Um, so I just handed in my first draft about eh, two weeks ago, maybe. Uh, so I'm waiting to get uh, feedback from my editor on that. But yeah, it'll be another series just like Rivals. Uh, and it was super fun to write about pirates. I was wondering if your kids uh, maybe influenced some of the content of the first couple books, uh, just maybe bringing incidents home from school that they heard about, and then maybe you did research, or how did you come up with the storylines and decide what you would include? For Mr. Pants? No, no, for the uh, the Rival series. Oh, um, I, a lot of it was just sort of, uh, well, in terms of like finding rivalries, I just did a lot of research and just sort of looked around trying to find um, so the, the key is it can't just be a rivalry like the Hatfields and the McCoys. It has to be something that helped contribute to changing the world in some way, either in a good way or in a, or a bad way. But, um, and so, yeah, I was just doing a lot of research, just trying to find the right stories. Um, and in terms of like the silly jokes and stuff, it's just kind of whatever pops into my head <laughs> at the moment. Um, uh, it definitely livens it up. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the second book, I felt like I got a little looser than in the first one. Like I felt like I was uh, having a little more fun with it. You know, I, I we, the first the first book, we weren't exactly sure how many narrators we were going to have, and at one point, we were even thinking about just having one person do the book. And so, I sort of like scaled back the amount of dialogue that I had uh, in book two. I did not do that. I went nuts and just sort of. Uh, you know, any, any thought, literally the, the craziest thought ever <laughs> that if it made me laugh, I put it down on page and, and uh, you know, just, <laughs> you know, I trimmed it back later, of course, but. Was, was it the same main narrator? No, no. Oh, okay. um, I honestly can't remember who they used for the second book, but um, whoever they did use uh, was fantastic. Um, it's interesting listening to uh, people read your story because um some people read it exactly the way you hear it in your head and it's just kind of uncanny and wonderful and and, and that narrator did um other people found ways to read the lines that I, never would have occurred to me and they were able to um you know uh bring out humor that i didn't even know was there and it was just like so cool to listen to some people like the, the woman who did the voice for um elza scaparelli in the in the second rivals book it was just such a different take on the character and I loved it. Um, and the woman who did the Coco Chanel uh, narration, uh, it read it exactly the way I heard it in my head. And it was so cool to hear these two things happening at the same time. And um, I don't know, it was just a really neat experience. So the pirates will be audio only as well, or is that also going to be a book? No, no, it'll be audio only, be exactly like Rivals. There'll be uh, a narrator and there'll be lots of dialogue and explosions and, and all sorts of, you know, wackiness. Ah, okay. I, I especially like the Edison-Tesla uh, rivalry because I've always kind of been interested in those two. Um, and I thought that was really well done. The, the narrator of the second one seemed a little looser too than the first mm -hmm. one. first one was good, but not, I don't know, he didn't seem to be... So as much wrapped up in the humor side of it. That's I the also second think one. 
Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of like everybody trying to figure out exactly what it is that we're doing. And so I think the yeah. first time you, you do it, you, you, you know, you're just kind of feeling your way. So like he did a lot of things that were really great. And um, he has such a wonderful voice. It really is just like amazing listening to him speak. And I thought I read that you said they actually made a film of some of the the audio recording work. A, a, yeah, I mean, I, I've only seen a little bit, but if you go to the Audible page for Rivals 2 and scroll down, you can see the little video. It's it's like kids reacting to the listening to it, but then they cut to the actors actually speaking. Oh, that'd and be fun. I always love that. I, I love seeing uh, voice actors at work. Yeah. Have you ever done any narration? I have not. No, I don't. I don't think I would be particularly good at it. Oh, how come? I don't know. <laughs> I think I'd be too <laughs> self-conscious of the way that I speak. <laughs> yeah, well, most people are at first, but I, I think everyone gets used to that if they do get into it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Short stories used to be incredibly popular when the magazines were right all over the place, and you know, every magazine will have two or three short stories in it. And now, you know, there's not really any venues except for maybe collections of short stories. So I keep thinking that maybe there's a market for having uh, short fiction where you could get a story that would maybe run 30, 40 minutes and you listen to on your commute or something or when you get home from work to relax and, you know, specialize really just in that things that are, you know, maybe maybe a novella at the most, but shorter fiction. I think okay. that Audible has been sort of exploring that a little more because um, they think that they're trying to like find, fill in the gaps of all the things that they're not currently offering. You know what I mean? So they have their longer books that you might want to use your credit for, for that month, but you might be done with that and you, you just want something to listen to, like I said, for half an hour and, you know, spend a couple bucks on it. And so I, I know they're definitely doing that in, in children's uh, fiction uh, they're definitely looking for short stories, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they weren't also trying to do that for for uh, you know adult fiction. There was um, Baker and Taylor, I think, and uh, it is in UK. It's like the sort of a rival to most of the big US bookstores. Uh, they they were planning on rolling out something along that way, just in terms of kind of like short ebook type fiction but i still haven't seen anybody nice. get serious about uh you know short stories in audio form so i mean do you see this these recent developments as something that uh, you know could carry you for quite a while and let you kind of work on creative stuff exclusively will you have more freedom do you think now i'm getting there uh i'm it's been i think i would it's not an exaggeration to say like my lifelong dream to, you know, be a creative writer in some, some, uh, form full time. Um, and I'm super close and, uh, yeah, a lot of this has to do with my work with audible. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping that I can continue doing the series that I've been doing and, and I would love to do more, uh, cause it really is fun. And I feel like it's, um, a new enough sort of uh, medium that there's, you can really sort of push the boundaries, I guess, and just have a lot of fun with exploring the possibilities of it. Thank you, Scott, for taking the time to talk with us, and thanks to the members of our audience for listening. We hope you'll join us for the next interview in this ongoing series.